bury the lead. I'm one of your co-hosts, Winnipeg Free Press columnist Jen Zaratti, and I'm your other co-host, Winnipeg Free Press music writer Aaron LaBarbe. Welcome to the show. We have lots of things to get to, none of which are connected in any way. Really. No, there, this is not. We kind of had like loosely thematic episodes for a while, and now we not don't. intentionally, not intentionally, but just kind of like loosely. But today we're off the wagon we're off the wagon uh we're gonna talk about the trudeau donut the true donut the true donut the true donut scandal um we're gonna talk about uh parental leave Mm because that kind of came up in the news in two uh different ways um ben mckee sigurdsson will be joining us yes later to do budget wine of the month club and today marks the first pop culture blind spot of 2020 though how was your week Erin? it's been kind of busy actually i'm i my my not doing anything in january has all but failed at this point <laughs> um i was monday night i was at alexis on fire for work to mm-hmm. review that show and the distillers played and another band who I actually really like their names called no bro and it's like a all-female sort of punk band I from i believe ontario awesome they were really good they were they were good i enjoyed them but it was just like a very loud night for many many hours and so <laughs> and that was monday so then i kind of feel like i started the week at a bit of an energy deficit yes because it was quite a late show too um and then i went to go see half moon run on tuesday night it's been a long time since i've done back-to-back concerts yeah like in a non-festival setting look at you i know about town just like living my life that was that was an excellent show and taylor jazzin who was local open for them and she was awesome i have not seen her live she was so good and i'm just like i'm so thrilled to kind of watch what happens with her career because i have a feeling well not just me many people know that Mm -hmm. she is going to be very successful i'm not (laughs) going to pretend like i'm like the first person to to notice this but um yeah i'm really excited to see where things go for her this year yeah it's awesome yeah and then in my spare time i have found a new passion on youtube which is (laughs) um watching people's reaction videos to classic songs like people who have never heard dream on by aerosmith for example or dreams by fleetwood mac and they're listening to it for the first time and recording their reaction oh my god guys if you like music you will love these videos i want to see them they're so endearing and so funny like these two guys were listening to dreams for the first time and that like baseline kicks in mm-hmm. and they're just like wiggling their heads they're like <laughs> oh yeah that's smooth and then one guy tells the other guy did you know stevie nicks is a woman <laughs> and one of the commenters is like wow they're gonna be shocked when they find out Lindsay is a man um, oh that's so funny but it is yeah it's super super entertaining um <laughs> the one the dream on one when when um, Steven Tyler hits that crazy note at the end, mm-hmm. the guy's eyes just like pop out of his head. Oh, it's just so good. And there was one, the one that kind of started the domino was um, someone listening to Frank Sinatra for the first time ever, like never having heard before. Mm-hmm. And he was had the head wiggle and he's like, okay, this is real good. Like, <laughs> I like, love that. And I just, I just love people, even though it's like decades after the fact mm-hmm. and like they've they've lived 20 30 40 50 years yeah. of hearing these songs to like see that joy and that sort of yeah. recognition of an amazing song is just so sweet to me i just love it i like that too because i think often we have those moments 
so privately, right? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of fun to be in on it for other yeah. people, for sure. And I guess that's what parents feel like when they introduce their kids to their favorite bands. Yeah. Like, I'm sure my parents felt that way when I was like, yeah, I love Harry Nielsen. I love Fleetwood <laughs> Mac. Like, I bet you that it's going to be a fun moment. Totally. What I Like, with my nephew. And if I ever have kids, I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, and, and not even just music, but, like, the world. Yeah. You know? Like, the first time your kid sees a snowflake. Like, oh, my God. I often think about if my hypothetical children will think that I'm cool when they learn like, oh, mom lived in New York for a few years. You know? <laughs> like, I don't even have kids, but I'm like, I wonder if my kids that don't exist will ever think I'm cool. Uh, the answer is yes. And then no for a while. And, and then, then yes, yes again. again. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How was your week now that we've gone into like uh, <laughs> the, the, into space with this conversation? Yeah, it's galaxy brain over here. Yeah. Um, so as some people may or may not know, um, my favorite band in high school was Pearl Jam. Yes. I have a Pearl Jam tramp stamp. Is we that can... what it is? I yeah. didn't know it was Pearl Jam related. Oh, yeah. So it is the stick man that... I don't think uh... I've ever actually seen it. You oh, can yeah. show me later. Okay. I'll show you right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was the stick figure that uh, Jeff Ament, I believe, drew for the single, the cover of the single for Alive. Oh. And they released it as a single uh, before it was included on 10. Um, but they have a single. Yeah. That came out this week. Any good? Dance with the Clairvoyance. It's so good. See, just that title turns me off a lot. Okay, yes. The title is not great, but my boys are back because I, I haven't really liked the last, like the newest. Mm, I hear you. Like, I really haven't liked anything since Riot Act, and that was 2003. Um, but this is like David Byrne and David Bowie, and like, <gasps> oh. it's, it's, it's a... It's a jam. Mm. It's, so I'm quite excited about it. Uh, lyrics are good. Like it's very, um, it doesn't actually sound like it would be too out of place on like a yield. So it's not like a super departure, mm -hmm. but I do like experimental Pearl Jam tends to be good Pearl Jam. So mm -hmm. I'm excited. So hopefully they'll be playing a show here real soon. Yeah. We're going to take a break and Jen's going to show me her tram stamp. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> See, I've only ever seen it from like the top of your jeans up. Yes. Which is appropriate, I feel. <laughs> but it looked like a heart with leaves, like a, like a heart in some trees. And so I just was like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, no, it's like a... I'm not one to judge anyone's tram stamp. <laughs> it's, it's a stickman with dreadlocks. That's the trees. <laughs> and like, I've never gone up close to your lower back and been like, hey, what's there? Uh, and I, now I know. I forget... That I have it mostly because I can't see my own yeah that's true back yeah. um but sometimes like if I'm like toweling off for shower and catch sight of it and you're like <laughs> oh what's that yeah like sometimes I'm like ah it's spiders but and I'm like oh yeah <laughs> no I was just 19 months oh, oh no no I spiders have, I have no tattoos I am pure Ooh. as the driven snow driven snow there uh, you go <laughs> uh, neither does my husband yeah but I, I feel like you guys are kind of the minority. Oh, definitely. I think most people have at least one. I think we should have this tattoo conversation next week when we have more time. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay. Because we've lost Put a pin to. in it. We'll put a pin in it next week. We, we may forget, but no, I'm going to write it down. Okay. Uh, <laughs> great. <laughs> Let's start with True Donut. The world's dumbest scandal. Yes. Uh, so Trudeau's. <laughs> Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. For yes, those Prime Minister are... Just, Justin Trudeau. AKA Prince Eric. Yes. That's who he looks exactly like without, without the beard. Whatever is happening on his face right now. Although I don't mind the beard. Mm. The beard is a separate story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, they had a, a 
leadership convention retreat retreat i think is the word um in winnipeg mm-hmm. over the weekend and uh JT decided to buy some donuts because people have to eat in the morning. And he went to a local bakery called O Donuts, which mm-hmm. if you're a Winnipegger, you probably, probably have had or know. You probably of have O-Donuts. had. Uh, super delicious. Love them. Had them at my wedding. They were great. Super great. Like good local ingredients, like a good local company. They have two locations in Winnipeg now. Like, but not inexpensive. No. They're they're pricey yeah. donuts. So... There, he bought these donuts. There was a photo taken of him with all the donut boxes. And I don't even know how it started. I'm guessing because the photo was on Twitter. Yes. And then a bunch of people who I actually think are bots. Maybe. Or like, not, it's like, if you look at a lot of these uh, Twitter profiles, it's people with like three followers or like have never tweeted before. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're complaining about like, use of tax dollars and to why did luxury just, donuts yeah why didn't he just go to tim hortons and it turned into a real a thing. real thing i just <laughs> i mean just it was such an example of how things can get really off the rails mm-hmm. and it was actually really good not good in that it was positive but good in that it was illuminating a uh, case study of how fake news and bad actors happen yeah totally in a very that's a good point contained yeah. way right yeah so you know we have bots or suspected bots or like really suspicious tweets coming out local news organization picks it up runs some of the tweets and, and then the headline is canadians are like upset at trudeau blah 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 well can we say canadians if it's just like a handful of twitter bots like we don't know right um then of course the owner of o donuts feels the need to defend herself and her business right she gets on twitter and points out you know actually we're a local business and these are ingredients whatever um pointing out like why it's good that he supported local business Mm -hmm. and that it wasn't like and he actually saved 10% by placing his order online. Yeah, and, and it wasn't like an exorbitant yeah. purchase. Yeah. The thing that I saw get repeated like a broken telephone was that oh donuts donuts are $47 a dozen. Right. That became such a talking point that mm-hmm. just got so inflated and blown out of proportion and I started pe- seeing people quoting it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> yes. Some dozens can of their like super specialty specialty donuts, but that's not the price per dozen. But it was just such a really interesting illustration for me about like, oh, look at that. Like someone gets a hold of that and suddenly that's Yeah, it's like that's the fact that they chose to cling on to to make their point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you firsthand, A, that those donuts are ginormous. Yeah. Uh, I ordered a bunch for my wedding and it did not cost me (laughs) an exorbitant amount of money. I cut them in half. Everyone can only eat half. Yeah. And like... I don't remember. I should I should look stuff up before I start speaking. But so the way PTA, PST works, mm-hmm. so you don't pay PST after a dozen, right? It's under a dozen? I can't remember. Because I was trying to figure out, hmm, I wonder what tax was paid on this. But <laughs> like with the 10% discount, I think someone crunched the numbers and I think it was like a $200 order. Right. Which for a retreat, who cares? But uh, that's the, that is my blaring sign above this story is like, like i mean I, I know that we covered it because we kind of have to yeah. but we covered it in a way that was like a little bit different than everybody else yeah it we, was a little bit more analytical yeah we had a column from dan lett and we had a reported piece from ben waldman where ben's piece 
kind of focused more on a business owner having to deal with exactly an unpredicted yes. thing. Yes. Yes. Because I think she figured, wow, this is such like an interesting thing. He came in. We didn't know it was Trudeau's camp. Mm-hmm. Um, photo op. And, you know, you expect that the comments are going to be like, oh, good for him for supporting local business. Yeah. Not, oh, he should have went to Tim Hortons, which isn't even Canadian owned anymore. And is dealing with a bunch of labor, labor issues. Yeah. So, like, yeah. so I feel like if it's, <sighs> it's a damned if you do and damned if you don't. Oh, 100%. Because if he had gone to Tim Hortons, you know. Why didn't you support a local bakery? And here also, we are in this should be hellish circle. Made to feel bad for eating donuts. Donuts are delicious well, and wonderful. And people need to eat. So, like, I don't know why this was the one cost from a whole leadership retreat. Yeah, how is this the big takeaway? That is my question. How is, how is the, anyway. Anyway, moving on. Moving on, indeed. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about this subject because it's something that I've written about before. And it's something that's kind of back in the news now um, because Japan's environmental minister, which allow me to be the worst and tell you he's a stone cold fox, but he is, um, (laughs) decided that he was going to take, you never just, you never see a 38 year old environmental minister. That's what it is. That's true. I guess. Yeah. Young man. And him and his extremely attractive wife have had a baby and he's going on parental leave and people are like, Oh my god! Because men in Japan do not do this. But his parental leave is like two weeks. Two weeks, which yeah. is just basically a vacation but from work. It is precedent setting in a country that both simultaneously has some of the most generous parental leave policies. Like Japanese fathers are entitled to a year, same as Japanese mothers. Mm-hmm. Nobody takes it, right? Because it's also a culture of like work, 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 employee loyalty and yeah. workaholism, etc. Mm-hmm. Contrast that with. Toronto councillor, city councillor, Joe Cressy, who also has announced his intention to take parental leave in September. Mm-hmm. His wife is currently at home with their son. Um, and the reaction to the Japanese story was like, good for them. Like, it's progress. Like, it's it's good to normalize mm-hmm. that. The reaction to the Toronto story was, well, elected officials can't possibly go on leave because who will mind the constituents? Uh-huh. <laughs> if you If you want young people to run for office this is one of the ways to do that yes i wrote an editorial about this and it blew my mind that like so federally mps couldn't take maternity leave until last year there was no policy i mean they could could, but like there was no policy yeah i was gonna say like well then what happens when one of them has a baby (laughs) well the first one to ever take it was in 2018 and i wonder if that's just because they're are so few women of yeah. childbirthing age in there? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I guess it's, I think it's totally that. And I think it's a reason why a lot of um, places don't have things such as like rooms to breastfeed in. Right. Or like, I need a fridge if I'm going to be like pumping or like whatever. Right, right. Um, because when your institution has been overwhelmingly men over the age of 65, you don't have to worry about stuff like that. Yeah. So I think it's really encouraging that these young guys, because Japanese minister, as we mentioned, is 38. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm blanking on his name. I'll find it later. Um, and the Toronto City Councilor is 35, I believe. Um, these are like millennial guys. Yeah. I think it's a bit of a culture shift that I'm encouraged to oh, see. Oh, for sure. Like a lot of my yeah. friends who are in the 25 to 40 bracket who have had children... Um, the 
male partner, if it is a heterosexual relationship, um, has taken parental leave of some kind. Whereas with my father's generation, I don't think that was the case at all. Well, yeah. And it's, sorry, I'm just trying to Google with one hand. Um, let's see if I can multitask right now. I did a story last spring. I oh, that's guess. right. You did. Yeah. When That um, was a very good story. Thank you. Um, when Canada's rules kind of changed and we rolled out the shared parental leave benefit. Um, so basically it just, it, you are entitled to more time if you're willing to split it. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of a use it or lose it policy. Um, oh my God. Shinjiro Koizumi, that is his name, Japanese environmental minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and his son was born two days after he announced he was going. He's like, oh, I'll go mm-hmm. on later this month. And then they had their little boy. Um, but yeah, the dads I interviewed for that piece who had taken advantage of the shared leave um, ran into a lot of issues people are fearful about. So like people being like, oh, it's so nice that you're having like daddy daughter day. Mm-hmm. Or it's so nice that you're babysitting your kid. That is, uh, I hate when people say that so much. And so uh, some of it is policy, but some of it is cultural, right? And Absolutely. I think the more we can normalize dads going on parental leave, everyone wins. Literally, it could be the key to solving two like societal Rubik's Cubes, which are how to get women to run for office and how to close the pay gap. Mm -hmm. Not having one parent who is usually the mom take a year off is a big way to solve a lot of those problems. Like it will literally allow women to make more money, mm-hmm. allow dads to spend time with their kids. And then there's also same sex couples, of course, who have kids and adopt as well. So you, like policy right. is part of it, but culture has to be part of it too. Right. Um, but one guy that I spoke to um, said that a lot of the, his coworkers who were older than him were really interested in it in a very positive way. And oh, were kind of expressing good. to him that they wished they could have done that. Mm-hmm. Because I think that is, something that a lot of working parents face is I'm not around for those milestones. Well, there's that. And there's also the person who is at home with the newborn just being like thrown to the wolves. Like if you don't have, uh, if you're not fortunate enough to have your own parents here or grandparents or aunts and uncles or friends who aren't working and can come over and help you, you're on your own and your partner's at work. Like that's, that is terrifying to me. Yeah. You have a brand new thing that you don't know how to use or raise or take care of. You don't know what is normal and what's not. And you're just alone without any support. And that's why I think people who work in any kind of job, including elected officials, because, yeah, I get that you elect someone and if they go on parental leave for some of their term, that's not ideal. But you know what? People in elected office have staffs, like, and they have people who can... And they're they're humans. They want to experience their life. Work is not life or it shouldn't be and And i feel like that pen as we were discussing i feel like this pendulum of like um work 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 all the time work is my life i feel like now it is swinging back the other way being like you know what maybe it's not maybe it's more important that i take care of stuff outside of work and have work be part of my life but not the driving force of my life totally and don't we want to elect people whose lives more closely resemble those of their constituents that's a very good point too you know like if we only have one section of society making all the decisions i don't know you always benefit from other perspectives so interesting yeah something to think about should we do i'm very nervous about this but yes okay 
We're going to do Pop Culture Blind Spot. Yeah. And I'm sorry to everyone in my book club who listens to this podcast because <laughs> I haven't read the book yet and our meeting is on Saturday. Yeah. Ooh. She's about to tell on herself in a big way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Pop Culture Blind Spot is Little Women. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. <laughs> um, so Little Women, of course, is a very old book <laughs> by Louisa May Alcott. Published I, 151 years ago, I think now. It's 151 years that I haven't read it. It's been, ad- <laughs> <laughs> it's been adapted many, many times. Probably most famously in the nineties. Uh, Although the recent one is, is I would I argue say. now kind of eclipsing yes. that. So there's two famous adaptations: the one in the nineties starring Winona Ryder as uh, Joe March, and the one Greta Gerwig's adaptation that just came out last year, starring Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse. Saoirse. As, uh, <laughs> I love that Irish name. So I have <laughs> I to say it that way. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah. So what do you know? Okay. From being in the world about little women. Okay. So that they're (laughs) little women. They're young women. I would guess in the ages between like 10 and 17. Is that too young or younger? There's a bit of a time jump. Oh, okay. Okay. So I think there's five of them, four of them, four. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know one is named Joe. Yes. I know one is named Beth because she dies. Yes. I don't know the other one's names. Okay. Um, I know that there's a boy named Lori. Yes. Does he also die? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know that there is some um, like tricky romance that he is maybe in love with one of the sisters, but she doesn't love him. And then he marries a different sister. <laughs> I, I like that you know that, but not does he die or not? <laughs> well, because that's the thing that is referenced. And the only reason I know Beth dies is because they they said it in that Friends episode with yeah. Joey when he's reading the book. It's it's the spoiler alert that is can't be prevented. Right. Does she have like some disease like t- TB or croup or something? Like one of those old timey ailments that's fully curable now. Yes. Okay. Smallpox. <laughs> Not that bad. Okay, so so then it's the story of these sisters. When does it take place and where? Mm. That's a, it's important to the story. I always get confused whether it is America or England. Because <laughs> in my head, I get it confused with Pride and Prejudice. Okay, it's America. Okay, so I'm going to say like Eastern Seaboard, mm-hmm. like Maryland or um, Rhode Island or something like that. Massachusetts. Oh, that's close. That's pretty close. During what war? Oh, jeez. I feel like the Civil War is way... Is it the Civil War? Oh, sweet. I feel like that's way too old. Okay. Okay. Civil War. Yes, because it was it was written in 18... Tickety-boo. Okay. 150 years ago, whatever that is. So what are the other two sisters' names? Meg. Okay, Meg. Yes. And Amy. Amy. Joe, Meg, Amy, Beth. Correct. I like, already forgot the other one. Okay. Aaron. Yes. What happens in the... <laughs> Okay, can you tell me like how many years pass between the entirety of the whole book? Is it like so, from teenagehood into adulthood? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, well, we can already knock Beth out of there because she dies. Is she a pivotal character? Well, she's yeah. one of the sisters. <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't die at the beginning. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's say that like the beginning is all the sisters like having a chat in their bedroom. <laughs> Okay. Um, okay, let's think for a second here. So obviously... Oh, do we want to describe movie adaptation or book? Because the the endings are a little bit different. Well, I'll do the book. Okay. I haven't seen the movies either, so it doesn't really make okay. a difference. And, in my head, the end of everything, Lori dies. So. It's marginal. 
<laughs> anyway. Um, okay, so let's say, well, I know one of them wants to be a writer. Yes. Which That's one? Searsha. Yes. <laughs> Who is Joe. Correct. Okay, so she's writing a book, and she is going to be in my head like the Elizabeth Bennett of the situation where she's like very headstrong and very smart and like mm-hmm. wants to yep. get out and be, she's like the feminist of yes. the group. Okay. So then her other sisters are trying to be like, no, Joe, don't be a feminist. Just get married and live a simple life like the rest of us. Mm, maybe. maybe. So, some of them. Okay. I need, them. I need a plot point in the middle. Okay. So, so she's writing this book. It's keep in mind of when it takes place. Civil war. Oh, Okay, did, is their dad dead because he got killed in the war? He's not dead, but he's away at the war. And okay. And they are very poor as a result. Okay. And then does Lori get conscripted into service? How do they know Lori? Um, neighbor neighbor kid. Good job. Boy next door. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, sweet. It was either that or like newspaper boy. Yeah. I don't know. Does he die in the war? No. no <laughs> Lori doesn't die. <laughs> Damn it. Um, okay. okay. Hold on to the love triangle. Okay, so it's is it a is it a Beth Joe Lori? No. Meg, Joe, Lori. No. The other one, Joe, Lori. <laughs> Amy. Amy. Okay. <laughs> Who cares about Amy? God. Um, okay. So then, but that ruins my whole plan because I was going to say that like they got married to Beth and then Beth died and then, okay. Never okay. Mind. Well, that's not what happens. <laughs> Do you want me to tell yeah, you Yeah. Tell happens? me what happens. Okay. Uh, good. G- pretty good. Yes. So, okay. So Is we- there a mother? Yes. Okay. That's Laura Dern. Yes. Okay. Marmy. So oh, awful. Uh, I don't know why they call her Marmy, but they do. Uh, so four sisters in Concord, Massachusetts, and uh, Meg is the oldest. Okay. And then I believe it's Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy mm-hmm. is the youngest. Um, Beth is very sweet and pious. Meg, so she's Jane. Meg kind of aspires to have a domestic life, but doesn't want to be as impoverished as, as her mom, but ends up falling in love with Lori's tutor. Uh, and they okay. go on to have twins and a nice life, but they are still quite in poverty. But she learns that love is more important. Uh, is Beth, it? No. <laughs> Beth gets sick from taking care of the, the, the Hummel children, the neighbor children. Oh, no. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember if it's scarlet fever or I think it might be scarlet fever. Oh, no. Poor Beth. Yeah. And she recovers briefly and then relapses and, and dies. And she's like in her teens at that time? Yeah. Oh, what a bummer. And then Amy is kind of like the bratty spoiled so she's the lydia wants to be like successful and like marry rich and yeah. and uh, is laurie rich yes oh so new layers laurie falls in love with joe yes and joe rejects him because okay. she wants she doesn't want to be married classic darcy bennett situation so joe is angling to go on a trip with aunt march to europe okay because she's been reading to aunt march aunt march is like a spinster and she lives in this massive house and this is lady uh, catherine got it she tells she tells joe <laughs> this like, is just pride and prejudice you know this right <laughs> she tells joe like i will bring you to europe as my companion but then she doesn't <gasps> she brings amy <gasps> Oh my gosh, the Amy, backstab. Amy who burns up Joe's manuscript <gasps> in fire because what she doesn't a bee. take it to a ball. Yeah. What a B. Yeah. So now, we don't like Amy. Well, sidebar. She redeems herself later. Greta Gerwig's adaptation is a Amy March redemption song, and I am here for it. Okay. Like you kind of understand more about why she is the way she and is. And she's lusting after Lori. And so, Lori's more interested in Joe. So Lori is in Europe. Amy and Lori hook up in Europe. <gasps> and then they end up getting married. <gasps> Yes, but Amy, Amy Amy does push back a little bit and says, well, if you're always going to be in love with Joe, to whom I'm always second fiddle. I'm not interested. Like, you know, 
because he has a line. I can't oh, remember if it's sisters be shady. I don't know if it's from the book or if it's an invention of the 94 movie, but there is a sign that, or there is a line where Laurie's talking about uh, how like he would be upset if any of them got married, like, because he just loves the March sisters. Oh, okay. So he's selfish is what you're saying. Well, he, yeah. <laughs> but I like that this is like literally a completely new revelation for me. Like I had no idea that that happened. Yeah. So they return from Europe uh-huh. and are like, hey, Joe, we're married. And she's like, oh, my God. But Joe finds love with a professor who she meets in New York. I thought you were going to say she finds love in her craft of writing. <laughs> that, yeah. but also Professor, professor. Bear. Who, who is a German immigrant in, <laughs> in New York City. That's very good. Uh, in the book, he's described as, like, the German. as middle-aged and kind of like ugly, but in both the adaptations, he's smoking hot. Okay. So then Aunt March dies. Okay. And Joe inherits her house. Oh, in Europe? In no, Massachusetts. No, she's Massachusetts. Okay, I'm with and you. And she decides to turn it into a school. Well... So now, depending on whether it's book or movie, mm-hmm. the endings kind of change. So okay. in the latest film adaptation, Joe ends up writing Little Women. Okay. Same with the 94 one. Okay. That's the book she's working on. Um, in the book, it's a little more like she got married and became a teacher and had kids. Oh, okay. So a lot of people kind of don't like how she just went right to domestic life. But I see. I see. Well, I look forward to reading this now. Women. Uh, yeah, you're... I'm in for a treat. The sister antics seem to... You seem to respond to, so I think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> we are back for the January edition of Budget Wine of the Month Club with Ben. Hello. Welcome. Greetings. Hello. Yes, it is still January. It feels like a long month. I, I mean, it, people joke about that, but it's true. It just feels like it's just dragging. Especially January 2020, where oh, I think we yeah. can all admit we've packed oh, it years worth of events in, oh, in, in a month. It just when you didn't think something crazier would happen, something does. But isn't that just a random, you know, boomer <laughs> kind of thing to say? It is, yeah. Not that I'm a boomer. You're aging into boomer. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. I'm a baby. I'm a baby, baby boomer. You're a baby, baby boomer. Um, what did you bring for us today, Ben? Well, I brought a wine from the, let me just make sure that this is correct, the La Mancha region of Spain, which is sort of central Spain. It's called Toro Bravo, and it's a white. So there's a white and a red. They're both from Spain. They're both eight ninety nine, And the red... Ooh, um, that is well-priced. I know, I know. So it's it, it, it origi- originally um, came into Canada in Ontario, and it's sort of a joint venture between a, a Toronto importer guy and a Spanish... Uh, importer person and they sort of collaborated and I don't, I don't know if there's an actual winery I think they just sort of make the wine in Spain okay. anyway so they started off with this red it came in the, the woman who reviews wine for the Toronto Star um, reviewed it and gave it 96 points out of 100 which is like an, inc- wow. an incredibly high score a crazy high score um, but she was r- comparing it relative to other wines in that price point what so in that case it's fair but people just see 96 points and they go bananas so the wine completely sold out right away and then it was like on back order like throughout all of ontario and then it came into manitoba i tried the red it's good i don't know i don't do 100 point scales smart ratings anymore i just do five stars like like mm-hmm. we do for movies and, yeah, yeah. And, and concerts and all that kind of stuff and it just makes more sense because most wines going off on a tangent here That's most fine. wines who are, that are rated out of 100 end up being scored between 85 and 95 so then it's a 10 point scale anyway and good if, point yeah so if i think it's a three out of five star wine that's that's not bad 
But if I say it's a 60-point wine, people would be like, oh, my God, it must be terrible. Even though 60 out of 100 is the same as 3 out of 5. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, here we are. <laughs> the wine is back in stock, and now it has a white counterpart. It is the Toro Bravo White. It is a blend of Verdeo and Sauvignon Blanc. It is $8.99, and it is, uh, yeah, it's pretty much available at all liquor marts and uh, whichever private wine stores prefer to carry it. The label is very pretty. Yeah, it's got a bull on it. It does. Hence the Toro. It's on Bravo. The nose. I don't know what. I don't. It probably Brave Bull. I don't know. <laughs> is that what it translates to? Aaron oh, is no. trying to open it. It's a screw cap. Oh no! <laughs> I can't do it. No, it's not happening. Okay, we'll trade here. No, I can probably do it. I'm weak. I have no. tiny hands, and I'm not good at this kind of stuff. I have very dry, leathery hands. Here, give me the. Okay. Okay. Oh, Jen's taking a crack at it. We'll be back <laughs> after these messages. Oh, there we go. Vice grip Zerati. Yeah, you got to do one of the, I loosened it for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I loosened it for you. <laughs> okay. Well, you got you can do the honors then. Or or, or whatever. Um, yes. <laughs> Aaron's going to do it. Okay, there. Ooh, like coming in loud and loud in and stereo. Clear. Yep. Um, all right. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. Yeah, looks it's uh, very pale. Um, it's probably probably not oaked. I mean, eight ninety nine. You're probably gonna get an unoaked white. And and these two grape varieties are typically not oaked uh, in the sort of more entry level um, price point. With my untrained untrained nose, I smell apple. Okay. Like a lot of apple. I don't know how to tell you this. It's made out of grapes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of apple. Yeah. Like fresh apples crunchy Crisp. apples yes like a green apple like a green apple oh, yeah for sure for sure some like uh lemon zest <laughs> oh that's some tasting sounds right in my ear holes um Sorry. yeah that's got some zippy yeah like it does that. What is that called again? With the like the puckering? Well, it's like mouth puckering acidity. Like, um, yeah, I'd say it's like medium acidity. Yeah, I was gonna say it's quite tart. Yeah, it's only eleven and a half percent alcohol, so there's maybe just a hint of residual sugar here, but it's I would still c- consider it dry. Is zippy uh, an uh, an official wine term? Sure, <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not? Uh, yeah, I would. Say, well, yeah, I mean, you could say racy. I guess that would be a more sort is, of like sophisticated term. Is eleven percent low? Like, what's wine usually? Um, most dry wines would be between twelve and a half to let's say fourteen. Okay. Fourteen and a half. Reds tend to. Uh, I mean, a big red would be like fourteen and a half, fourteen percent. A your typical white would be maybe 12 and a half to 13 and a half maybe 14 percent so 11 and a half is on the lower side and so have i gone through this before maybe so the grapes they crush the grapes um the juice has sugar in it the sugar converts to alcohol so the more mm-hmm. sugar that is in the grapes uh and the longer the fermentation process the higher the alcohol is so i see anyways maybe these grapes were picked earlier maybe they just you know did not uh, get as ripe or whatever who knows anyway it, it it works for it and and i and i there is a trend towards slightly lower alcohol wines i think people are getting sick of like getting beaten over the head with like these wines that sort of burn on the way down well yeah and then you have one glass and then you're over the legal limit to drive yeah <laughs> it's, like yeah, it's so yeah, strong yeah. that like i'm very sensitive to like tartness and sourness so mm. i find it like a little bit too much for me it's mm. making me squint and it's mm. like producing a lot of saliva mm-hmm. in my mouth it um, really does. It, yeah. yeah, it totally makes your mouth water. It's hard to talk after you. 
yeah. taste it because I feel like I'm going to drool all over the microphone. I like it. Sauvignon mm -hmm. Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc mm -hmm. is my wine usually. Yeah, it's good. And yeah, that's and often. I find that I've been kind of because apparently I'm a super fancy lady now. Like my go-to <laughs> bottles are like like in the sixteen, seventeen range. Yeah, that this is that's average. Eight ninety nine. It's awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's for the price. I think it's great. Um, in fact, I think I like it better than the red. Like I, the red I thought was good for the price, but it was uh, I don't know. There were elements to it that I didn't like as much as this. This is like fresh, clean, straightforward, mm -hmm. easy drinking. You could like you know buy a, a few bottles of it just throw it downstairs and then if you have someone come over you just bring it on up and I it's, feel a like it would, it's a crowd pleaser i feel like it would make a very good spritzer oh yeah and a very good white sangria yeah. as well because it already has those like citrusy yeah. very notes, summery notes yeah very much a summer white i think yeah and uh for those who care it's it does have a thing on the back uh label that says it's vegan um wines can be not vegan mostly through filtration uh issues they've used <laughs> they used to use egg whites to sort of fine filter or fine wines they would they would attract the little residue or whatever to the egg white and then they take it out or they would use something called isinglass which is made out of a fish's stomach lining or something oh very bizarre uh but they don't really do that much anymore but this one does say vegan right on the back so if you have some vegan pals coming over toro bravo good to know yeah Thank you. So and it would much. go well with probably many vegan dishes. In fact, yeah. it, I would say uh, if you've never had, well, this is not <laughs> this is not a vegan dish at all. But if you've ever had manchego cheese, oh yeah, it's like one of my favorites. And Me too. it's like a little bit creamy, but it's got like really nice. Um, I don't know, really nice flavor profile. And I think the acidity on this would cut through like a softer, creamier, milder cheese. I agree. It's super good. Yeah. I like it. Eight ninety nine. Come on. I know. Uh, thank you so much, Ben, for yeah. coming on and recommending. My this pleasure. Um, you can find everything that we have written at WinnipegFreePress.com. You can also follow us on social media. I'm at Jen Zarati on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm at Nyrabble on Twitter and Instagram. And we will see you next week.